Good morning, everybody. All right. Today, um, I may slip and fall because there's a lot of water up here. So if that happens or if I get electrocuted, um, I apologize um, in advance. Steve, <laughs> it's like crazy, man. Like, <laughs> I know. Um, so today, I want to tell you some stories. Um, I think stories are incredibly uh, powerful, and I'm not talking about stories like, like Green Eggs and Ham or, or The Hunger Games. I'm talking about the stories that we live out with our lives, right? So each of us has these narratives that we listen to in our hearts, um, and they have a huge impact on how we relate to the world around us. So, so like Green Eggs and Ham, The Hunger Games, these are great stories, uh, but the stories that we listen to in our hearts, they actually shape who we are and how we live. They are incredibly powerful. So I saw an example of this just recently with my little boy, Sam. He's four years old. Uh, We got him this uh, superhero costume, right? So it had this like mask and a cape, a little S on his shirt. Uh, But the best part about the the costume that he had were these these armbands, right? They're like, I guess like superheroes wear armbands. Um, And we called them his super sleeves, right? And so he would put these super sleeves on and he would run around the house like vanquishing foes, doing probably doing evil, not doing good, I'm not sure. Um, so he loved this costume, he loved these super sleeves. So one day, uh, the costume is put away, and he's playing with his uh, train set, and we have all of the train tracks and stuff like in this big bin, right, and it's pretty heavy, it's full of stuff, and, and so uh, Sam is playing with his trains and he wants to move the bin out of the way, it's in his way, and, um, and so he is like kind of stressing and straining to like get this thing out of the way and he can't lift it because it's too heavy and, and I'm like laying there on the couch like you know like flipping through Facebook or being an awesome dad and uh, and <clears throat> and finally he turns to me he's like Papa can, can you move the bin and I'm just like oh. and I like <laughs> I want to like you know sort of delay the the inevitable of having to get up and, and and help him and so I'm like buddy I think that you can do it if you try really hard <laughs> so he looks at me he's just like yeah you're the dad of the year and, uh, and then he gets this like look of inspiration on his face, right? And he runs out of the room. I'm like, what's he up to? Well, he runs back in the room and he's wearing his super sleeves, right? And he stands over this bin and he's like, super sleeves! And he lifts the bin up and he moves it out of the way. I was like completely shocked. <laughs> like he literally like had superpowers. Um, and so that's what I'm talking about, right? Like Sam heard this story in his heart, and it told him who he was if he wore these super sleeves, right? And it actually shaped how he related to the world, right? He he got superpowers. Um, So the stories that we listen to uh, in our hearts, they're they're really powerful. And they can be powerful for good, they can be powerful uh, for bad. And so we're in a sermon series called Complex, and the goal of this series is to help us meet God in the parts uh, of life that are complicated. Complicated like this, this microphone is complicated. Um, things in life that are difficult to understand. Uh, life uh, is messy, right? But if the gospel really is good news, it's going to be good news in the mess. It'll be good news in the mess. And so today I want to talk about uh, the mess of God's commands. I want to talk about the mess of God's commands. And I want to look at this mess through the lens of the different stories that we hear in our hearts. 
All right, so God's commands. Have any of you ever read Psalm 119? All right, probably, right? <laughs> well, Psalm 119, it's like the longest psalm in the Bible, and it is a love song about God's commands. The dude who wrote Psalm 119 was like super stoked on God's commands, right? He goes on for like pages uh, writing this love song, saying stuff like, God, I delight in your statutes. I love your commandments above gold, above very fine gold. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules. I find my delight in your precepts. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And he goes on and on and on. See, the Bible presents God's commands as though they are this wellspring of joy and freedom and exaltation and glory. They're like a love affair with God. And I'm like, yeah, my relationship with God's commands is a little bit like, more complicated. Uh, for example, like, there's like 1,200 commands in the New Testament alone. Like, how do those square with the whole like, Jesus dying for your sins on the cross? We're saved by grace, right? So like, how serious is God really about all these commands? Isn't it the other religions that say you have to like check the boxes to get into heaven? What about the ones that I, like I disobey over and over and over? What about the ones that I disagree with? Why is God so focused on managing my behavior anyway? Like, what's he up to? What does he want from me? Those are some of the questions that I ask, and it gets kind of messy. So I don't know if any of you guys can relate but I'm not quite there with the psalmist yet. And so I want to warn you, I'm not going to say anything like super groundbreaking today. Um, there are lots of pastors and theologians and authors and speakers who have untangled these questions a lot better than I will. What I want to do today is just tell you some stories that I have listened to in my own heart that have shaped um, my relationship with God and with his commands. And my hope is by sharing my experience that we all will start to hear the story that God is actually telling through his commands. All right? So it's story time. So snuggle up, get comfy. Story number one is called Behave to Belong. All right? And that's the first two blanks on your outline, Behave to Belong. And this is the story that I was living uh, before I heard the gospel, all right, before I heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised to follow Jesus. I was raised going to Bible-believing uh, churches. But somehow, my heart didn't hear the good news of the gospel until I was like in my mid-20s. And before that happened, the story that I was hearing in my heart was behave to belong. And it shaped how I related to God's commands. And behave to belong goes like this. Once upon a time, it was up to me to save me. Once upon a time, it was up to me to save me. Now, I wouldn't have said it that way. Okay, I grew up in the church and I knew a lot of right answers. But in my experience, growing up in the church a lot of times gives you the right answers and, and the wrong conclusions. Right, so I wouldn't have said it that way. But if you were to put like a spiritual stethoscope like up against my heart, you would have heard this voice in there saying, you have to behave in order to belong to God's family. You have to behave 
in order to belong. And the way that you behave is by obeying God's commands, right? If you behave, everything's cool. But if you stop behaving, like, we might have a problem. But see, I, I grew up in the church, so I knew that there was this thing called forgiveness, right? I knew uh, there was a little bit of wiggle room. I knew that it wasn't like one strike and you're out. But was it three? Was it five? The Bible says something about like 70 times seven. Maybe, maybe that's how many times I could screw it up. How much do I have to behave to belong to God's family? I, I really didn't know. And my only assurance of belonging to God's family was my own performance. See, that's what I mean. I had, I had to save me. And so this story, um, it put me on a treadmill, right? You've heard of this before. I'm sure some of you have experienced this. Um, it put me on a treadmill of behavior, a treadmill of my own performance. So obeying God's commands was, was my effort to assure myself that I belonged. And really disobeying God's commands, the only reason I cared about that was because it took away that assurance, right? So I started to see God um, as a cop, you know, as a police officer, like ready to punish me if I screwed up, or as a boss, somebody who just owed me a paycheck for the work that I did. And either way, um, God didn't love me, and, and I certainly didn't love God. And there was no rest, and there was no assurance, and there was no peace, and there was no joy in any of it. See, God's commands had actually become things that separated me from his love. God's commands had become things that separated me from his love. And so the moral of the tale is when the story is behaved to belong, uh, God's commands are condemning. When the story is behaved to belong, God's, conde- God's uh, commands are condemning. And that's the second um, section there on your, uh, on your outline. Mark, can you advance the slide? They separate me uh, from God's love. God's commands actually separate me from God's love. That's all that they can do with the story behave to belong. Um, Okay, so for a lot of you guys, you're like, yeah, 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 I've heard this stuff before, right? And we know that this isn't the good news, right? Behave to belong is not the story that God is telling through his commands. Most of us here know this. Not everybody here knows this. I know that for a fact. I've had conversations with people last month in this church, people that are living this story. And listen up. Behave to belong is the story being told by our culture. It's the story being told uh, in our world. So in most of life, it's the people that behave to a certain standard that belong to the groups that we call, you know, successful or admirable or, or employable or, or like, God help us, electable, right? Like, these are, the, these are the people, they behave to a standard, and so they belong uh, to these groups. And so this story, Behave to Belong, it has kind of, like, huge cultural mass. It has huge weight in our culture, and, and all of that mass kind of exerts this gravitational pull on our hearts, like the moon on the ocean. And um, it's partly, I think, because the way our world works, this feels natural. It feels like it's the way things work, but it's also because sin and brokenness in us causes us to distort God's image. So I just want to say, like, we might know that behave to belong is not the story, that it's a lie. 
But this story still tugs on our hearts and it still seeks to deceive us. I know that that's true for me. We need a better story. All right, and so thankfully there is one and it's the next uh, thing on your outline. The story is called Belong. Story number two is Belong. And this is the story that I was living um, after I heard the good news about Jesus and it goes like this. Once upon a time, God saved me. And once upon a time, God, he saved me. And it's this beautiful story, right? I was laboring on this treadmill under a sign that said, behave to belong, getting worn out, getting angry and bitter. And then one day Jesus showed up and he just simply crossed out behave. And he said, I took care of that. You belong. Why don't you come off the treadmill? You belong. So this is the story that a lot of us have heard in our hearts. Right? And once this story starts speaking to your heart, like you're, you're never going to be the same. I'm never going to be the same. Like I have struggled to keep believing this story. I have gotten back on the treadmill many times. But Jesus in his faithfulness shows up every single time I do And he reminds me that I belong. And he does it um, in this wonderful way. He does it by sort of making these magnificent promises, like blaze forth from the pages of the Bible. Like up on the screen, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. You are no longer a slave, but a son and an heir of God. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because of the great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Come off the treadmill. He has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Come off the treadmill. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Come off the damn treadmill. We have peace with God Through our Lord Jesus Christ, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Come off the treadmill. Amen, 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 right? See, whereas the story behave to belong tells me that my obedience is imperative to my belonging, this story, belong, tells me that my obedience is irrelevant. It's absolutely irrelevant to my belonging. It's irrelevant because the behavior that accomplished my belonging was done by somebody else, right? I'm not the one that has to save me. It's up to God, and he did it. When Jesus died on a hillside outside of Jerusalem and then three days later rose from the grave, my belonging was accomplished. It's a done deal. Amazing grace is not an amazing idea. It's an amazing fact. It is an amazing event that happened in history. It is not up to me to save me. Jesus did it for me. Man. The fruit of behaving to belong, pride, despair, 
comparing selfishness, insecurity, weariness, ultimately a distorted view of God, even hatred for him. The fruit of belonging, joy, peace, gratitude, honesty about my failures, humility, confidence that I'm loved anyway. See, belonging without behaving changes everything because God loves me. God loves me and so I want to I want to love him back. And that puts me in a completely new relationship with God's commands. It's a completely new relationship with God's commands. Instead of them becoming a way for me to earn my belonging, they become this way for me to express gratitude for the grace that I've been shown, right? Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I say, I do love you, Jesus. I'm in. I'm on it. And I charge off and I go to obey his commands and it totally goes awesome for like 10 minutes. Right? I knock out the easy ones. I like come back and I'm like, check it out, Jesus. I didn't like mix fabrics in my tunic. You know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like boil this lamb in its mother's milk. You know, totally knocking out the ones in Leviticus. Anyway, Jesus is like, way to go, you know. But then I start running into the commands that are, that are harder to keep. Like, don't eat bacon. I mean, I can't. I just can't do it, Jesus. No, I mean, there are, there are these commands that seem to be connected to something deep inside. They seem to have like a root that's wrapped around my heart. And they're just, those things are just not going anywhere. Right? They're just not going anywhere anytime soon. I love Jesus. I do. And yet here I am, I'm clicking on that website, and here I am, um, I'm twisting the truth to come out on top, make myself look better. Here I am, hardening my heart against my wife. Here I am, giving in to anger and envy and bitterness and selfishness. I try to keep the commands I do, and I fail. And I try again, and I fail again. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Jesus, I, I do love you. Like, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, what am I supposed to do when I can't seem to follow God's commands? What do I do when I can't seem to follow God's commands? Does anybody else feel this? Well, in my life, I've gone back and forth with sort of two different ways to deal with this. One, I I try harder. I try harder. I say to myself, you know what? You got to prove that you love Jesus. He may have gotten you into the family, but if you don't behave, he's he's probably going to kick you out. Um... Maybe obedience actually is uh, a part of your belonging. Maybe you should try harder. And that, my friends, is how I sneak back on that treadmill of behavior where the commands start to separate me from the love of God. But trying harder is not always what I do. Sometimes I hardly try, and I go the other way. Uh, I say to myself, you're saved by grace, not obedience. 
You're saved by grace, not obedience. Whether I obey this command or not is really irrelevant. That's the gospel, right? I mean, I'll do what I can, but I'm not getting back on that treadmill. I do both. And as this happens, I start to become this mixed bag of sort of trying harder and not really trying. I see some commands as, this, as a really big deal, and I see other commands as, hey, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And if you were to ask me, well, how do you decide which is a big deal, which isn't? I, I wouldn't really have a great answer, at least not one that lines up with Scripture. And so, look, this is the, the next point on your outline. In my experience, when the story is belong, God's commands are confusing. I mean, as incredible, as life-changing, as amazing as it is, this story makes God's commands confusing. What do we do with that? Well, I don't think the story belong is the whole story. I don't think it's the whole story of what God is telling us through his commands. So what's the whole story? Well, in order to answer that, we have to press pause for a second and sort of pull the camera back into a wide-angle shot. To understand the whole story of God's commands, I think we need to remember the whole story of what God is doing in the world. To understand the commands, we have to understand what is God up to? And we've talked about this before in past sermons. You can look them up uh, on our website. But the whole story of what God is doing in the world can be summed up in just four words. Creation, fall, redemption, and renewal. Let's bring them up on the screen. Creation, fall, redemption, and renewal. That's the big picture outline of the entire Bible. The point is this. God's story is going somewhere. Where's it going? Where's it going? What's the last word? in? The, right? Where's it going? Renewal. Renewal. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. And neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. This is where God's story is going. New heavens, new earth, joined together. And there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. Because he is making all things new. Amen? See, the story of behave to belong, it leaves us in the fall. Separated from God. And the story of belong, as amazing as it is, it only takes us to redemption. But God's story is going all the way to renewal, the renewal of all things. And how is he taking us there? I think it's through his commands. I think he is taking us to the renewal of all things through his commands. I want to say something 
Mark, pull up the next slide. Not that one. The one that says God's big plan for your life. Technology. All right, envision a slide that says God's big plan for your life is not your salvation. God's big plan for your life is not your salvation. You know that movie where the hero uh, is on this mission to save the world, right? And he's putting together a team of his friends that are going to help him do it, but all of his friends are in jail? You know that one? So what does he do? First thing he does, he goes and he busts them all out of jail. The story doesn't end when he busts them out of jail. It just begins. That's just the beginning of the story because the hero doesn't just save them from jail. He saves them for a mission. It's the same thing with us. See, God's big plan for your life is not your salvation. It's your vocation. It's your vocation. He saves you from sin and death for a mission. Yes, you need to belong to God's family, but that's not the end of the story. It's just the beginning. And that brings us uh, to story number three on your outline. That story is called Belong to Become. Belong to Become, all right? That's the third story, and I think that this is the story that God is telling through his commands, and it goes like this. Once upon a time, God saved me for a purpose. Once upon a time, God saved me for a purpose. So there's two parts to this story. The first part is God saved me and made me belong. Not because of works done by me, but by his own free mercy and love. He uh, chose me before I was born, and now he has called me. And he has justified me and he has adopted me as his own son. He has made me a new creation. He's given me free access into his presence at all times. He has poured out spiritual gifts into my life. And he has made me an heir to heavenly glory. And overall, he has put his spirit in me as a guarantee of all of his promises. He has done all of that for me. I did nothing to earn any of it. It's a free gift. My belonging is a free gift. The second part of the story, God saved me for a purpose. Check out uh, Romans 8.29. We don't have it on the screen, I guess. Romans 8.29 goes like this. Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So God saves us for what purpose? To be conformed to the image of Jesus. See, those who belong to Jesus are becoming like Jesus. That's the point. See, God's big plan for your life is not your salvation. It's what comes after salvation. Now that we belong, God gets to work conforming us to the image of Jesus so that we can join him on his mission of renewal. And I think this is where the commands start to pop off a little bit. They start to explode into the life-giving wellsprings of joy and freedom and exaltation and glory. They actually become the Psalm 119 love affair with God because if God's plan for my life is that I would become like Jesus, the commands are not condemning 
and they're not confusing. They're communion. The commands are communion. And as communion, God's commands are the means by which I know him better and they're the means by which he makes me become like him. Do you see that? Check it out. God's commands show me a father who wants me to know him better. Right? None of his commands are arbitrary. They all flow out of his character. That means that every command is an invitation to know him more intimately, to know who he is, what he's like, what he values, what he does, how he loves. That's communion. And God's commands show me the power of my resurrected Savior who is actively at work in me and through me. See, with the commands... Jesus meets me in my obedience and he gives me strength beyond myself. That's Jesus in me. And with the commands, Jesus meets me in my obedience and he works through me to bless others. That's Jesus through me. See, every command is an opportunity for me to experience the power of his resurrection. That's communion. And God's commands ultimately conform me to the image of Jesus. Jesus lived a life of perfect obedience. And his resurrection was God's sort of stamp of approval saying, this is the way to eternal life. There are things in me that I think are fine, but my father knows that they lead to death. He doesn't want to leave me in those things. And so in the assurance of my belonging, in the safety of my belonging, in the absolute surety of my belonging, he gives his commands that come in and start to reshape the parts of me that are broken back into wholeness. And so even when it's difficult, even when I don't understand, even when I disagree, I can know that every command is given for my benefit and never for my condemnation. Man, that is communion. So as I commune with God like this through his commands, I become more and more like Jesus, more and more conformed to his image. The life of Jesus, um, man, the life of Jesus was like this postcard it was like this postcard sent from the new heaven and the new earth. It was this beautiful snapshot of how things ought to be and how things will be one day. Now imagine a world filled with men and women who are conformed to the image of Jesus. Imagine a world filled with people conformed to the image of Jesus. Men and women who are, are walking in the power of the Spirit. Men and women who are walking in the joy of their belonging. Men and women who are boldly walking into the darkest places on earth in order to serve, in order to bring healing to the sick and wholeness to the broken and sight to the blind and justice to the oppressed. And to do it all uh, with like incredible wisdom and discernment and truth and love and humility and courage and honesty. Imagine 
them using every moment to share and to encourage and to serve and to build up, putting off all bitterness and all wrath and all anger and all clamor and all slander and all malice and putting on kindness and tenderheartedness and forgiveness and long-suffering and sacrificial love, laying down their lives even for their enemies. Imagine a world filled with people like this. Imagine a city filled with people like this. Could it be that God's commands are the way we become these men and these women? Could it be that God really does want us to become agents in his mission to save the world? Could it be that our lives can become postcards from the new heaven and the new earth that are sent out across this city? And if the story is belong to become, the answer is yes. It's yes. And I think in this story we find the proper place for our obedience. See, obedience is not part of my belonging, but it is very much a part of my becoming. Obedience is not part of my belonging. It is very much a part of my becoming. See, what I do actually does matter. I belong, that's a done deal, but God has given me a say in how much I become. In this mystery, he has invited us to intertwine our free will with his so that we would become like him. You see this all over the New Testament. That the word of God exhorts us to live out our communion, to keep in step with the spirit, to work out what God has worked in, to, to put off and to put on, to strive to attain that which God has freely given us. You see it all over the place. Obedience is not part of my belonging, but obedience is very much a part of my becoming. God wants me to live out my belonging through his commands. So just real quick, I want to walk you through a passage in Philippians 3 because I think in it, uh, Paul is briefly sketching some of the stories that I just told. And Philippians 3 is in your bulletin, so take a look. I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. In verse 8, we see Paul leaving the treadmill, right? He's counting all of his past behaving as rubbish. Verse 9, we see him embracing the amazing grace of his belonging, being given a righteousness from God that is not his own. Verse 10, we see communion. It's the communion of knowing God, him more deeply, more intimately. We see the communion of knowing the power of his resurrection. That's Paul experiencing the power of the risen Jesus in him and through him. 
And we see the communion of knowing the fellowship of his sufferings. That's Paul being conformed to the image of Jesus. And then in verse 12, we see Paul striving, working really hard to live out his belonging. Striving to become what God has called him to become. It's belong to become. My heart has begun to listen to this story. Um, When I simultaneously rest in my belonging while striving in my becoming, I experience more joy, more peace, uh, more intimacy with Jesus, and more victory over my sin than any other times in my life. And in those moments, I get little tastes of what the psalmist must have been feasting on. Little tastes of joy and freedom and exaltation and glory. So the stories we listen to in our hearts, they're powerful and they shape how we relate to the world around us. And I think belong to become is the story that our hearts need to hear in the mess of God's commands. So listen up, I want to I give you a little assignment to kind of help you work this story more deeply into your heart this week. So here's what I want to do. Pick a command. Pick any command. You can open the Bible and just put your finger down, find one, or it'd be even better if you pick one that you particularly don't like. <laughs> All right? And just answer three questions. How can this command help me know God more intimately? What does this command tell me about God? How can this command help me know God more intimately? Second question, how can this command help me know the power of Jesus' resurrection? Right? What, what does Jesus need to do in me or through me for me to experience this command? So how can this command help me know the power of Jesus' resurrection? And the third question is, how can this command conform me to the image of Jesus? What is this command doing? What is it poking at? What is it pulling on in my heart uh, that, that God wants to fix, that God wants to conform into the image of Jesus? How can this command conform me to the image of Jesus? Just three questions to think about. And I would encourage you to share your thoughts with someone else. Just meet up with someone else and say, hey, this is, this is what I came up with and see where the conversation goes. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, man, you have loved us with a great love and set us free. Our belonging is by grace alone. And you have shown us this amazing respect of inviting us to participate in our becoming. You invite us to come into this process of communion through your commands so that we might know you better that we might know our risen Savior better, and that we might be conformed into his image. Lord, all of this is for our life and for our joy. None of it is for condemnation. It is all so that we would commune with you, our Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray that that I I could walk in this. Um, I've tasted it. I've seen that it's good. 
please help me not get back on the treadmill. Please bring clarity through your commands. No more confusion. Lord, I want to commune with you. I love you. I want to keep your commands. Enable me to do so by working out my becoming. I want to join you in this process, Lord. Amen.